Welcome to Inside the Chamber. I'm Nikki Anderson, the President and CEO of the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce. Today, our show will focus on the future of retail business. We've heard stories about Sears, Macy's, Toys R Us, closing stores or even closing their doors completely. With the continuous growth of online shopping, one has to wonder, what does the future of retail look like? Join me and our panel of experts as we discuss what our future shopping experiences might look like and the decisions retailers will need to make moving forward. Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust. so much for being here. This is a topic, um, the, the future of retail um, is very important to me because I have family members that are in retail. So I want to first talk about um, technology and e-commerce. You know, we kind of blame them for, you know, the demise of the world of retail um, and commercial, real, you know, retail. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the demise of uh, retail is greatly exaggerated, <laughs> as Mark Twain would say. <laughs> Retail is just going through a transition, and it's going to—we're you know, going to come out on the other end. It's going to be fine. It's going to be different than what it was, but it'll be fine. In the big picture, there's really been more supply than demand, hmm. and so the consumer always wins in that environment. Right now, the internet has about eight percent of all retail sales, so it's enough to make a That's difference, but it's not a catastrophe either. That's really interesting. Kind of puts it in, in perspective. Um, so when when we look at um, you know e-commerce and we think about Amazon, would that kind of still fit in that same thing? That eight percent, really? Amazon's about half of that eight percent. Really? Yeah. Wow. They're the fifth largest uh, retailer in the country. Okay, so we see them like moving into some brick and mortars, though, which is kind of interesting. I think there's always going to be a demand, right, face-to-face -face kind of interaction. I know for me, um, and maybe it's just generational. Do you think it's generational, the shopping? No. No. No? I don't no, think so. Mean? I think I think the generational aspect of it, maybe it's, we want something on quicker and delivered to our house, but social, everybody's social, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I think the winners in retail are the customer-centric organizations, those that understand that somebody wants to look online, wants to visit a store, wants to get a shipped at home, wants to be able to return it to a retailer. The ones that are really focused on delivering the right experience that's most convenient to the customer, they're the ones that are winning. And mm. without naming names, the retailers that aren't making it are right. ones that you know, like the dinosaurs didn't evolve and aren't here right. or, or in the process of not being here. I, I, and that's the innovative part of it. And the, the term they're using is omnichannel. So the idea that everybody wants to shop only solely on, on their iPhone is just not true. People still want the face-to-face. -face. You know, you shop online, there's about 40% that are returned. But you look at somebody like uh, very progressive, a Lululemon, and they are adopting all the different channels and all the different mediums for, for their sales. And it's making them very successful. If you insist on doing things the old way and you just simply keep with a new iteration of the old way, 
uh, you're probably you're probably going to be gone. I think of Blockbuster, right? There you go. <laughs> right? And yep. I was going there every Friday night with my family, and I actually think I heard someone tried to buy them, and they said no. No. And it was like a Netflix or something right. like that. So I think to your point, you know, I, and probably with business in general, it's like making sure that you're keeping up. But do you think technology actually helps brick and mortars too in, in their own way? Well, I think it makes it easier for them to engage with the consumer. And that's one of the key things. It's not just how does that product get delivered, but it's also a methodology of hearing what the customer is saying and responding to it. Yelp says that when a, custo when a customer representative will respond to a negative comment within 24 hours, most of the time that customer will upgrade their their review simply because somebody took time to listen to them and maybe they did something for them in a business sense but just as much they validated that person's as a, that validated the person as a as a person mm -hmm. and said we value your feedback we are here for you and even small retailers can do that i think that's one of the things that we're going to see smaller retailers doing a better job is engaging using technology to engage their customers and technology is at everything and you see that with the cab drivers with uber and everything else it's just right. you have to to uh, right size and do what's best for your business and we saw that there's bankruptcies and uh, that's part of the process of weeding out who's going to be the winners and losers. It's kind of the Darwinian aspect of things right, uh, right. when you look at Sears and other things. But um, we have other ones that are doing good. Yeah, the evolution of business, right? Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Uh, you look back, uh, as you talked about, when the, when the malls were opening and downtown Naperville uh, was so taken aback on, on this new evolution right. of retail shopping and now all we hear about is that pedestrian friendly and experiential so now you have the restaurants well yes downtown Naperville neighbor crossing uh, the new designs that have been rolling out and they've been sort of rolling out for about the last 15 years as as we see more online you're seeing more experiential types mm -hmm. of, of um, shopping if you will so you have the bowling right. alleys the lucky strikes the restaurants um, we have a new VR place going, virtual reality place going into the downtown, and that's, a, that's experiential, just like the river walk. So now people want pedestrian friendly and um, that sort of urban, suburban feel. And we've got it. Well, Naperville's done a great job. Thank you. Yes. We're bringing it. <laughs> we have good people in charge. Yeah. Yeah, to your point, the consumer sure. always wins, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's, the consumer has demands, and you've got to fill them. <clears throat> right? Yeah, one of the things that the technology people tell us that we'll see more and more of in retail stores is uh, facial recognition, where you'll go into a store, you'll be recognized, you'll, they'll know what products you want or they'll know what sandwich selection you want, and you'll be able to even pay for it. All of this is being done purely by facial recognition. And, and look at, like, for, for my company, for the Inland Real Estate Group, we own stuff all across the country, and grocery acre shopping centers are a fabulous place, and people go to the grocery store, and by the way, they're going to go to the nail salon, they're going to go to the ice cream store in that, and that's not going to go away. People, that's what what we do. We got a barber shop, you go to the dry cleaner, and, you know, those things are, are pretty darn strong. Right. But I think it's important that we recognize, um, in regards to the experiential thing, um, 
the old Norman Rockwell experience of taking your kid and having him sit on, on Santa Claus's lap is not going to go away. I mean, that is, it might be you know, more exciting than, than uh, with some maybe digitals, you know, make it look like North of the North Pole better, but um, it, it is absolutely a phenomenal experience. You'll take your grandkids and your kids to that, and that won't That's go right. away. And the other thing you're seeing is, is those stores start to close. So we know, we hear every day, the different retailers. There's always been retailers that have made it or not made it, whether it's in a marketplace mm -hmm. or overall. Um, but what happens in a, in a market, I think, like we have now, where there's going to be quite a bit of surplus retail space, is you'll see a contraction on new construction. So, and that's what happened in the home building. You know, when there's a surplus of homes for sale, uh, there's a slowdown in the building, and then the market catches up. That's, you know, that's capital. That's, mm -hmm. that's market driven. So we'll probably see less construction, I would guess, in, in the coming years, more adaptive reuse. So some of the large box retailers are becoming large food and theater type things. Uh, so they're injecting that experience into it. But I think we'll see less construction. That's my prediction. Well, I look at Oak Brook Mall, for example. They have Kidzania is going in to where Sears uh, is downsizing. And the Kidzania is going to be open, I think, in 2019, um, if not the beginning of 2020. And that's a, an experience for kids to go and figure out what kind of career they want to work with. And no one's ever thought of that. That's worldwide. This is a, a really interesting new concept. Yeah. I think I'm hearing that was something called Codeverse and that they're going into some commercial spaces and, and teaching kids to code. how to code, mm -hmm. right? right? So we're going to have a lot of ninja warriors because I know we have a couple. <laughs> be ready for that. We have a couple of uh, Funtopia and, and uh, warriors types of, of training because that whole uh, outdoors experience indoors, the rock climbing walls and, and all of that, and they're starting, it's no longer just for adults. I mean, they have the whole kids with the indoor trampolines and, and all of that. So. so as we talk about all of these experiences and how cool it is, I can't help but think of the term disruption, right? I love that word. I love the idea of being a disruptor, doing something that's completely different and out of the norm. Mm -hmm. So can you guys think of some disruptors in the industry that are really doing it smart and the ones that we should take note of and maybe track their success and maybe other people should be following their, their success? Well, I think one of the things that we've seen since in the internet became a new channel for chop, for chopping and for into organized delivery is that the, the the retailers that have leveraged their retail brands, their retail stores, along with the uh, ability to shop or order online, are really the big winners. Mm -hmm. And the retailers that have uh, failed to integrate, so you can see great examples of that with. Lululemon is a great example of that. Eddie Bauer is another great example of that. Nordstrom's is another great mm -hmm. example of that. It's a it's a storied uh, business, but it has really embraced not just social media, but it's also embraced mechanisms to reach out to customers. And you'll, I think the other thing you'll see is a lot more customization that's available in terms of avail making products available where people can pick specific sizes or colors or mix and match things, much more than we've seen in the past. And a lot of this is just driven by automation. So it isn't something that's going to hurt business. It's a way that is going to, it's a methodology that allows businesses to reach customers and, and ultimately you know, reach consumers that they might not otherwise have reached in a smaller finite market. Interesting. So he mentioned Eddie Bauer. Mm -hmm. They put in cold rooms so you can go try your 
uh, cold weather gear and go into a cold really? room, or you see mm -hmm. some of the the outdoor sporting goods stores that will yeah, put in Pro Shop. Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> they have these are the Incredible. types of things that you know they have a, a very strong online presence, mm -hmm. but then they have that physical, and people like knowing they can walk mm -hmm. back into the store. Yeah. Um, Given that choice, right? Given the right. choice, mm -hmm. they want all the choices. They want it all available to them. Well, and even when you talk about the, the, the big chains, I mean, you and I know our local businesses that do such a great job, our local retailers that are, are, are wonderful at making sure that they have an online experience as well as, as a good experience when they walk into the store. So, well, Anderson Books is a great example of mm -hmm. that. They work really hard to bring in big speakers, and it's a special niche, and people really enjoy going there. Yeah, I think Two Bostons, Naperville Running. I love Two know. Bostons. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I think so does my dog. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting, um, shameless plug, but my husband has Oswald's Pharmacy and they do durable medical equipment, right? Everything is online, right? Before they never had that. And now you see people are going online and shopping and then having this, this experience when they come into the store. And, and I think these small businesses, all of the ones we mentioned, and I know there are others out there, get it. And you either right. have to get it or you're gone. And there's convenience. I know I have, uh, I have triplets plus one, Irish quadruplets. And, <laughs> the, and the night before they need a book for school, oh, dang, I need a book. And they need a hard copy. And so I run over to Barnes & Noble in downtown Naperville. Yeah. And I'm yeah. able to get the book. And yeah. thank God for that brick and mortar. Right. Yep. And can't wait 24 hours. <laughs> can't wait for two-day delivery. Or, uh, yeah. Right? Or you go to Anderson Books. I mean, right. you know, yeah, it works out great. So I think we talked about changes, but are there other changes that are coming down the pike, whether it's repurposing buildings or things that you all would know, I wouldn't, but that you all know mm -hmm. about the retail industry that we can kind of keep an eye out for, or things that you hear that are happening that, that maybe we wouldn't um, have a heads up on? I think one of the things that we're seeing is more and more franchise chains emerge. And not only are they specializing because they're able to carve themselves into a smaller niche, but it's really a way of delivering the best of both worlds, where there's a regional or a national presence, but there's a local owner-operator. And I think we'll continue to see that trend emerge, even among larger businesses that heretofore haven't been uh, franchised. And do you think that those franchises make it um, more um, appealing maybe for somebody who's always want to open their own store but now they have this opportunity and the franchises make it a little easier? Would that be fair to say? Sure. I think that uh you know, all of us have a business inside trying to get out at some level or another. <laughs> and, and franchising provides sort of the best of both worlds where somebody can own and operate the business and have that freedom and that autonomy. But they also are part of a larger group where they have the ability to check with somebody to see how are they doing compared to a successful norm. Interesting. Well, I'm going to be right back with you okay. and to continue this conversation. We'll be right back. So I love the idea of disruption. So you had mentioned something, Dan, about what we need to pay attention to from a disruptive perspective. Yeah, a government can disrupt a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and in the retail area, government has disrupted it uh, with the internet sales tax collection issue, where a brick and mortar has to collect the sales tax, but um, you have to pay the sales tax online most of the times through your pay when you do your income tax, and most people don't do that. And so in some cases, it's basically the government putting their thumb on the scale for the online retailer 
uh, and sometimes it could be up to 10%. So at one point in time, um, now there's more gas grills sold online than at a Home Depot because of the, the expense of the, of the sales tax. And we just need to have government say, we're gonna understand that the internet is possible to collect the sales tax because technology is so advanced, right? Right. I was saying I can get in my car and my GPS can tell me exactly, it knows where I'm at, it knows what the traffic look like, looks like ahead of me, and it can tell me what the speed limit is on the road I'm on. So I'm pretty sure they can figure out what the sales tax is um, as they deliver. I mean, technology is so advanced. It is. Um, it really is causing a problem because remember, all of those deliveries are made on city roads and <laughs> yes. streets to homes. Um, the same reason we collect property tax from brick and mortar is the reason that we should be collecting it for online. And again, it's our government, our federal government is not keeping up with today's day. I right. mean, back in the day when your, your Sears or JCPenney catalog were, you know, that was, that was the litmus test. Everything is slow when it comes to government. Yeah. Let's be it clear. is. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's probably politics driving that. But unfortunately, sure. uh, we don't want to see in the rearview mirror the damage that, that they leave behind. You know, we don't want that debris field behind. We want them to address this going forward to make it fair. Right. And I think there's something going on. Uh, right, the Supreme Court, uh, the original case was Quill versus North Dakota, mm -hmm. and that was in 1982, when there were issues with technology that it would be hard to identify how what a sales tax is in every every uh, county, municipality, everywhere. But uh, that's changed, and we have the, uh, the, currently the Supreme Court is taken into another case that will possibly overturn the original one from 1982. And if, they, if that happens, then you'll see that wherever you go um, online, you'll have to uh, purchase something and, and collect this, the sales tax right there. So it'll be a lot easier for people. Interesting. And I think that early on, not having the sales tax for online sales drove innovation. It allowed businesses to invest in an opportunity to attract customers where, the, where there was a customer saving. Today, it's just such a part of the fabric of our doing business that it's not going to be a detriment to online sales. People aren't going there just because they can save some sales tax, as they may have at one point. Interesting. And, and I think they're also talking about for those innovative companies, the mama pops, that maybe any, if your gross revenue is over a million dollars you know, or under, you, you don't have to collect the sales tax. I mean, so there could be things like that mm. that could help the idea of the embryonic, nascent organization to, to be able to grow. So that's the other thing too. Yeah, interesting. So in your world of, of commercial real estate, um, are you seeing the model change a little bit when it comes to retail or are the needs still the same or what are you seeing differences there? Well, generally, there's more retail space available right now than there is demand. So shopping center space has grown about 30% in the last little over 10 years. And so that typically, that retail space is developed without having specific demand. It's not pre-sold. So all we're seeing now is more space being available than the market demands. The economy's strong, consumer spending's strong, businesses are doing well overall. So is, as we're seeing that retail space being repurposed, uh, 
um, it isn't a reflection on the economy doing poorly or even right. retail doing poorly. It's just, as we were saying earlier, just that natural evolution of the consumers voting with their dollars and saying, these are the winners, these aren't the winners. And in the specific sense of, re of retail space, there's just a little more out there than we need. Chicagoland happens to be in one of the markets, one of the top three markets in the U.S. that has a little extra more than we need. Mm. Uh, and again, that's just going to sort itself out by experienced retail developers knowing how to uh, reinvent that space. It's not going to damage the landscape. There aren't going to be wholesale board ups or you know vacancies as much as it is retail. Uh, retail real estate professionals are going to know how to how to use that space wisely. And, and the International Council of Shopping Centers had their convention in uh, May of this year, and there were 30, 37 thousand people there in Las Vegas. So um, they're not going to show up and spend that kind of money to be a convention. With they're doing deals. I mean right. things are happening across the country. Right. Last year in Naperville, uh, 2016 over 2017. Retail sales grew by about 6.7 percent. Um, so it, there were losses. There were communities that saw losses, but from a uh, from a pretty solid retail, Naperville's Naperville's retail sales are in the about three and a half billion dollar range. We have the highest retail sales of any suburban community outside of the city of Chicago, and we kind of go back and forth with another town that I won't mention, <laughs> but, uh, but we don't have a regional mall. As, as you point out, Fox Valley Mall is in Aurora, but we have solid uh, deliveries from, pun intended, from our car dealers, from our, our home improvement centers, our restaurants, and we're number one in the grocery market. So these types of things, I think as long as we continue, uh, we have a very strong laissez-faire kind of government, we encourage market-driven performance, and our retail business is it makes up half of, of that general revenue budget. So the more you shop local, I tell people, every time you buy your car, you, you buy your groceries within your hometown, that's that much less that's going to be passed on in the property tax bill. So there's a direct correlation to saving yourself money. It's, it's one pocket to the other. But Naperville's retail sales are, are um, pretty significant. It's yeah. a pretty significant part of our budget. So we certainly don't want to see boarded up or uh, sort of the apocalypse, if you will, of, of the retail market. It's important that we balance the direction it's going. Nice job. And I think that's a key component that you talk about is the leadership of the local government and where they're allowing that, the, the, the economy and the businesses and the consumers to ebb and flow and make the choices. Um, it works well. Where communities have been involved and sort of reattempted a planned economy, it hasn't worked well at all. Uh, so the more opportunity, the more democracy, the better it is for the economy. That, that's a really good point. One of the things, like with the Illinois Retail Merchants Association, um, we Inland works with all these groups of the Illinois retail, uh, Illinois um, Realtors. Uh, they are constantly trying to be the canary in the coal mine to say this is this is a new law that's coming up that's going to mm -hmm. hurt. And they try to let the legislators know in Springfield that when you say you're going to increase minimum wage to $15 an hour, these will be the ramifications you have. When you talk about wanting to dictate what happens with people's um, scheduling, that the retailer is unable to control that. All those things have major impacts on all of the small business owners that are trying to employ people and have these great places, great opportunities. And if government keeps getting involved in the, how 
the capital, you know, capital market should work, um, that really is bad. And you have to have limitations, I, I, granted, but the more you put the thumb of government on stuff, the harder it is. Yep. And I think that applies as well to local zoning regulation. Absolutely. And it obviously makes sense to group certain types of businesses together or in certain areas. But um, it's not uncommon for a zoning board to say, well, we already have three of those or we already have four of those. <laughs> and the response that we make in those situations are, well, the consumer always wins in the case of competition. And so the consumer ultimately is going to have more choices. And for a municipality to try to determine how much they need of a particular offering uh, typically doesn't work well in the long run. Well, and, and property taxes are a major deal. You look at, uh, you know, go to Cook County and you get on the border of Cook and, uh, and DuPage and for business, I mean, it's, it's quite a bit more in Cook County than it is in uh, the you know, surrounding counties. And that's one of the benefits. How about how much does it cost to, to park in downtown Naperville? How much does it cost to park in Chicago? Yeah. I mean, that, you know, or, I mean, it's a yeah. major deal. All $40. These, all these aspects. <laughs> well, and all of that revolves around our, our sustainability as a community. Yeah. And you look at uh, the percentage of residential to commercial, whether it's office, uh, retail, or industrial. But if you're not at that, say, 80-20 or, or in that area with some decent sales uh, property tax generators, um, you're going to be out of whack and you're going to have to keep raising those school taxes because they live on one tax really and that's property taxes. Right. Mm -hmm. So how we build out and maintaining our comprehensive plan to be that balance I think is important while you're open to it doesn't have to be all locals. We love the local proprietors but we also love the national proprietors and the blend of both is what I think makes us more sustainable than mm -hmm. most communities. Um, for a while, people started doing a theme in their downtown and, you know, um, a railroad or, or types of, of uh, sort of the tchotchke market. And it's not been as successful as a sustainable center for mercantile. And whether it's Ogden Avenue or downtown Naperville or South Naperville, you provide the types of retail that people want. And some is local and some is, is national. And it's that blend that makes it so solid. Well, I think it's interesting because it really all comes back to the start of our conversation and that is if you're not keeping up with what the consumer wants, that's my takeaway today, consumer always wins, yeah. if you're not keeping up with Inside what the, the consumer wants, because people will move on very, very quickly. And I think, um, you know, as we see kind of this, this evolution of, of retail, uh, you know, I have conversations and it kind of goes back to the other thing we talked about earlier, the experience. What is the experience that people are having? And I don't know if you can think of, of businesses um, specifically or just what are they doing for these experiences? Is it just having this, this um, choice of online or face-to-face or, -face, or is it something specifically they're doing in their stores? I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think it's both. I mean, yeah. Lululemon rolls back the, the, the racks and has a yoga class in the morning. And, and uh, we mentioned Eddie Bauer. Mm -hmm. We talk about Apple. Um, that's an experience in a, of itself. I and love going to the Apple store in town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great place well, to go. And the makeup. I mean, yeah, we do have a few makeup stores throughout the community. But it, typically women still want to see the product and try the product. And so it's it's sort of less under attack, if you will, by online. So it's each industry has their own experience. Right. right. And um, the, the other thing I want to highlight, 
So I have, as I said, triplets plus one, so Irish quadruplets. And I guarantee you as a parent, you're not just going to be sitting on your computer typing in stuff to buy right, stuff. Right. You're going to want to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> there is definitely that's and millennials. I mean, everybody right. can say, "Oh, millennials are just going to sit and, and use the internet." No, they got they're going to you know they're eventually going to have kids and they're right. they're going to want to get out and go right. to these kids' areas and go shop right. and buy and right. um, and that experience for kids and socialization. You're it's right. just the natural part of being human. I, yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's like it over uh, people would overanalyze it and well, we could probably have this conversation for another hour. Ron, thank you so much. Dan, Christine, thank you guys so much. Thank you for joining us for Inside the Chamber. We hope that you found the information in today's program valuable. Please join us again for our monthly programs. In the meantime, remember, when you're looking to shop or dine, think Chamber and visit Naperville.net to support the Chamber of Commerce and our business community. Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust.